Welcome to Harvest Valley Worship Center's Sermon of the Week. You can discover more about our church, pastors, and special guests at hvwc.com. We hope that you are blessed by today's message. All right, we're going to dive in the Word. We're in our Culture of Honor series. Are you helping out today? Awesome. Praise the Lord. All right, Culture of Honor series. This is our last week in the Culture of Honor series. Has this been good for you guys? It's been impactful for me. I'm, I'm always moved by uh, how often our understanding of honor is so twisted. <laughs> you know, and, and sometimes what we think is honor is actually not honor at all. And um, often uh, the way that we end up honoring each other it can sometimes uh, be dishonoring. And it's just very interesting how it all works. And I'm very excited about um, the fruit that was sown during this series. Because one of the things that, that happens here is that we're learning how to become powerful. So often we go through life and we are powerless. We feel like... We don't have any say over what's happening next or what's going on around us or what am I going to do next? It depends on everyone else. It depends on my husband. It depends on my wife. It depends on, you know, and then we just kind of sit and we wait and we wait and we wait. And then we are really hoping that we can at some point exact our will on the earth, you know, and do some things that are in our heart to do. And so the more powerful you become, the easier it becomes to do the things that are in your heart to do. And when you become powerful with honor, you bring people with you. You're not on your own. You bring people with you. Okay, so we want to learn how to live powerful lives and empower those around us um, in order to honor we have to choose to view people according to their highest destiny. So when I think about Chris Eastley, I'm going to pick on you for a minute. So when I think about Chris, I can think about his age. I can think about his style. I could think about the way that he carries himself, the way that he speaks, and think that those things are the things that define Chris Eastley. Well, there are characteristics of Chris where he is today, but that doesn't actually define who he is, right? What defines who he is is what God says about Chris Eastley. He's called to have massive influence in the music industry, right? And God's given him tools in all types of ways so that he can have that influence. Gave him a passion for music. That's a good start. Right now, he's learning all the technical stuff, right? So, God, so we want to help feed his passion and feed his destiny, right? So, Richard, I'm going to ask if you could pull this my my mic back just a just a hair. Uh, that'd be great. Thank you. Um, so, as we look at Chris, if I'm going to honor Chris, I have to treat Chris according to his destiny. Number one, he's redeemed of the Lord. Right, he's a son of God. Right now, I also have to remember that he has a destiny that is unclear to me. So every everything that I I do and the way that I treat him is always to make sure that he is able to achieve everything that is in his heart to achieve, not what's for me, but what's for him. Right. 
So we come alongside people saying, what's your destiny? What's your call? Because we want to honor who God has called you to be. And you get the choice on how much of a role I'm going to play in your life or not. You get a choice on whether or not this community is going to be the one that you go to support for. You get a choice on how you're going to move forward, right? Nobody, nobody's going to control that. Only you do. We'll offer help, but it's up to you. Why? Because we honor who you are. We have so many people that come and go. We talked about communication styles, right? We talked about that passive communication where people just ghost and they don't have a conversation and they don't say anything. Oh, I'm being noble because I'm not going to actually have a conversation. That's not honoring, right? It's just not. So what's honoring is like, I'm struggling here and I don't like it here and I don't like the way you preach and I don't like the way you look. Like that's an honest, helpful, full conversation, Okay. I, and and some, I, when I was younger, I did not do well with that. Ask the Mayos. I did not do well with that. <laughs> right? Like we've had some conflict because we've been running together for over, almost 10 years. But, you know, there, there's, this, there's this reality, though, that as you mature in Christ, even as a pastor, you're still maturing. Somebody say amen. amen. You didn't have to laugh that hard, Steve. <laughs> I tell you. So you're still maturing, and, and, and you learn lessons, and one of the lessons that I've learned the hard way is that, that the ability to respond with honor and freedom actually gives the Holy Spirit so much opportunity to do far greater things than what was in my head in the first place, right? So you learn how to just let the Lord lead and guide and direct relationships, and you give people freedom. And then you honor the boundaries that they give you. Now, some people don't like boundaries. And some people think boundaries are, are there to keep people away from you. Right? But that's the furthest thing from the truth. Okay? So we're going to actually talk about boundaries and how to become powerful in boundaries today as we close out this thing. And we're going to talk a little bit about how Jesus did it. And we're going to talk about a few things. I do not want to miss the momentum of what just happened. So we do need to talk about how to steward the miraculous. Okay, we do need to talk about how to steward the miraculous. And first thing I'm going to tell you is that you need to tell the story of what it is that God did this last week and what God's been doing in your life. You need to be telling people, here's how I was healed. Here's what God did. Here's the word God gave me. That word that I got last week at the end of service by Elizabeth, I have texted it to so many people. Like, I need you to come into agreement and pray with me over this. Because I believe that Idaho is going to be saved, and I think that this house is a major player in the revival Idaho movement that's going to sweep the state. See, I just told you it told it again, right? And it should build your faith because you hear the testimony. So you got to tell the testimony of what God did, okay? I had the honor of praying with two different people on the same day this last week and seeing them both healed. Right? How many of you have had a chance to pray with somebody this week after you got activated with Elizabeth? How many of you have seen a miracle and a healing from it? Okay, almost all of the hands stayed up. See, you, see we, we have to continue to activate. So we tell the testimony, and then we follow through with what we know. We hear the prompt of the Holy Spirit. We got to go do it. Got to go do it. You got to go say it. I'm sitting there in the office. And my right shoulder just starts aching. And then I look over and I see this gal walk in. I'm like, 
Uriah's shoulder hurt? She's like, yeah. Like, how would you know that? <laughs> right? Like, that's God, okay? And I just said, well, can I pray for you? And she's like, yeah, 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 great. Right? She's with the homeschool co-op that meets here on, on Tuesdays. So just put my hand on her. I said, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. And I said, where's your pain at? You know, like a four or five. Well, it's gone. <laughs> oh, okay, it's gone. Where was it? Well, it was about a six. And I'm like, okay, but do you feel that? And she starts crying because the presence of the Lord was just ministering to her heart. What is that? <laughs> what is this? That's the Holy Spirit. Jesus loves you, right? You get to minister to people. But, but pay attention. Activate what you've been given. We all received an impartation. Amen. Hallelujah. We all received an impartation. Okay. So be mindful. Tell the testimony and then activate that. Okay. And, and the other thing is that watch your mouth. You know, Matthew 15, Jesus is arguing with the Pharisees over the disciples, right? Like he's always, his disciples got Jesus in all types of arguments, right? And, and what was great is that the, the Pharisees are upset saying, saying they didn't wash their hands properly, right? And Jesus is like, you don't get it. The hands don't make you unclean. What goes in your mouth doesn't make you unclean. It's what comes out of your mouth that defiles you. Because what's in the heart, do you know the context of what Jesus talking about, what comes out of your mouth is actually from your heart, is about the things that defile you? So watch your mouth. So, I, I, think, I think oftentimes we'll walk in a level of anointing and then our mouths open up and we wonder how we got defiled. And we wonder, how, like, oh, because, listen, there's parts of our hearts that haven't, haven't fully aligned with the revelation and the anointing that was put on you. Put your hand on your heart. Heavenly Father, I'm asking right now that for every person with their hand on their heart that you would... Uh, remove every defilement from their heart, that the things that come out of their mouth would be from a heart that is pure, that is righteous, that does not complain, that does not bring forth impurity from their mouth, but only speaks righteousness and the truth in love. Father, I'm asking that you would transform our hearts to carry the revelation that you have revealed to carry the anointings that you have poured out, to walk in the giftings that you birthed us with. And we thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Okay, so you guys got that. How to steward a miracle, how to steward the miraculous, right? We need to tell the testimony. We need to activate through obedience. Do it. Keep doing it. Keep practicing, right? And then lastly, watch our mouths. Is that helpful? Okay, so, so please hang on to that. Um, the Lord woke me up early in the morning a few days ago with those three things. Like, okay, how, how are we going to steward? He just laid those out for me. So I just, I figured it was good to, good to give that um, here during the introduction. Um, because we're going to talk about boundaries. And, and it's really interesting because in ministry, people don't understand boundaries. 
they have a really hard time with boundaries um, because we, we do love people and we want to serve people and we want everyone to, to do that. How many of you have ever heard of a pastor's kid that got angry at the church and never wanted to be part of a church? It's because the, the, the pastor didn't have boundaries. Just tell them the truth. Just tell them the truth, okay? So this might upset you. It might offend you. That's not my responsibility today, okay? I'm not going to take responsibility for your offense this morning, okay, if you get offended. Hopefully, you don't. Hopefully, you receive this with joy because I think this is going to be a key to you actually fulfilling the call of God on your life. Are you with me? Are you guys ready? All right. So... Um, let me just say this about honor. Honor is one of the greatest expressions of love in the earth. Our ability to be our best is to know what honor is, and it requires that we each take time and energy to explore the garden of our own hearts. See, we'll use this analogy a lot in that if you can, Proverbs talks about our, our heart as a garden. And so, it's appropriate and God's will that you put some boundaries up around the garden of your heart. It's from the Lord. It is good because I don't want anybody and everybody stomping on my heart. Would you agree? It's not good. Right? Not everybody's trustworthy enough to have access to my heart. Right? And I get to choose who comes in and who doesn't. You get to choose who comes in and who doesn't right? So when we talk about this garden of our heart today, one of the things that, that we have to understand is that what is grown and harvested in your heart is for you to give away. What is grown and harvested in your spiritual life and your walk with God is grown and harvested so that you can give it away. You're sustained from a different source than your own heart. So what's growing in your heart is to give away. It ain't for you. Some of you are wondering why you're anemic. It's because you're eating your own fruit. Instead of from the supply of the Lord that He's giving you. And if we don't guard our hearts, we might not bear much fruit. If we don't value the gifts God has given us, if we allow others to trample on those crops, we will not have an abundance to give from. We will get burnt out. We will get fried. We will feel isolated and lonely. We will feel like the world's against us because we're not guarding our heart. Are you with me? Are you guys doing okay? Okay, good. Good. Our lives must have an abundance to give from, and we must know when, who, and how to give of ourselves. This is the purpose of healthy boundaries. It's to guard and protect our hearts, our minds, our time, our energy, and our love, and it is not healthy to not have boundaries. So, how do we know what is a good or a bad boundary? And really, the first thing we have to understand is that there's different levels of intimacy in this life, right? Intimacy is that into me, see, right? It's the ability to be vulnerable, to be open with your brokenness. I, I choose 
from this platform to be fairly open about my brokenness. But there are some things that I'm not telling all y'all. You're welcome. Okay. Now, there are some people who know all my dirt. They, they know all the dirt. Okay. I'm, I'm happy to say here that we've created a culture here where everyone on our core team knows all my dirt. I've not withheld anything from them. And I tell my story here all the time, but they know all my current dirt. Because I'm not perfect. Let me tell you what else. Mika knows all my dirt. She knows more dirt than the core team. Just because I have to process all my dirt with her. Because she's, she's, my, she's my sharpening person. She's the one that's making me holy every day. in the sweetest, most loving way. I'm serious. She's, she's, she's unbelievable. <laughs> I know, you couples are hilarious. You're like, what? Sweet? All right. So, I want to talk about Jesus' spheres of influence so that we can have a, a grasp of what good spheres of influence are for us. Because these spheres, the levels of intimacy um, really are about how much influence do we allow people to have in our life. Can you hear me? The levels of intimacy declare how many, what level of influence they have in our life. Okay, so the greater the level of intimacy, the greater the level of influence we're giving them in our heart and mind. Does this make sense? All right, I'm trying to make this really palatable because I've heard a lot of conversations around boundaries that left me confused. Okay, and I'm, I'm try, I want to make sure that we, that we really understand what the Lord's purposes and intents are here. So, Jesus' number one primary relationship in this world was with the Father, right? Like, that was it, number one, Him and the Father, every morning, Him and the Father. He only did what the Father showed Him to do. What He saw the Father do is what He did, right? What He said, what God said He said, right? They, they worked in tandem with each other. Complete intimacy between Jesus and the Father, okay? And that's a great goal for us. That should be a highest priority in each of our lives, that God be the number one most primary relationship in our life that has the most influence over what we do moment by moment. Would you agree with that? Okay, now it's hard. Because I can live my life based on the principles of God and not hear the voice of God. So I actually have to know the principles and now I got to listen to the voice. Do you hear me? I got some people that have this mindset like, oh, well, well we don't need theology anymore because I hear God. Ah, you need both. It's good. Know your scripture, know the word, but hear the voice. Hear the voice, right? We need both. And so that intimacy, that primary relationship is so critical, okay? Now, secondly, you're going to have some people in your life that are closer to you than anyone else. This might be your parents. It might be your kids. I know it's definitely going to be your spouse if you're married. If you are single, it might be one of your best friends. It could be your pastor. It could be somebody in your life that... 
that maybe it's a parent or, or a sibling, it's somebody that's going to be your closest, your person, right? That, that, that person that you just run everything through, and that's good. It is healthy to have those relationships. Jesus had James, Peter, and John, right? These three men that he was closest with, they had the most influence in Jesus' life. Now, out of that, then it's, it starts to expand a little bit more. Now we go to the 12, right? This is his close sphere of friends. These are people that are in his circle, in his sphere, doing stuff with him all the time. Come on, some of us would call that either our extended family, maybe church family. You know, you could, you could give a lot of different contexts. Maybe it's a couple of coworkers and some people at church, but they've got a level of influence in your life and there's a level of intimacy where they start to really know who you are, right? You're telling them, this is who I am. This is how I voted in the last election. Oh, no, oh, no. But people get to know who you really are. Right? Okay. Most people don't tell strangers how they voted anymore. Unless you're ready to argue, you know. So Jesus had those then that he came in contact with, those people that he served, right? Whether it was uh, Nicodemus, right? Different people he was acquainted with, that he spent moments with, that he did different things with, right? Spent time with different people that weren't on his inner circle, they, they, you know, but they were people that he met and served and did different things with, right? He developed a relationship with. Then there were those that he was serving and he had the opportunity to minister to, even argue with, but they had no influence on his decisions at all, right? And then there's the strangers, right? People he never even came in contact with, never knew there's people out there. Right? we got to remember on social media, if they're strangers, they should have no influence on your life. Okay. So, when we expect that we should all have equal access to one another, we're setting ourselves up to violate other people's boundaries or be violated. So I want to talk about a couple boundaries that Jesus set that I think is interesting, especially in the context of ministry, okay? Because you're all ministers. Can you raise your hand and say, I'm a minister? minister. It's not about me. You're all ministers, okay? You're all ministers. You all have a gift. You all have a call. You all have a destiny. You all have something that you have to give to the world around you. You have a garden. You have a heart that has been, been producing fruit that the world needs to taste, Stop withholding. But until you get boundaries, it's fearful to give. It's fearful to give away what you've got because you're afraid someone else is going to come take it. So we're going to learn how to do this well. So Jesus did this in Mark chapter 5, verses 21 through 43. We see that Jairus, his daughter, is sick. And he comes to Jesus and says, hey, He's a ruler, right? He's a ruler of that territory. Jairus comes up and says, hey, my daughter's sick. Will you come with me? And Jesus says yes to Jairus. But in that moment, he was where? He was in a huge throng, a huge crowd of sick people that all needed healing. And Jairus comes up and says, can you come with me? Jesus' yes to Jairus was a big no to everybody in that circle. He says, I'm not going to spend my time here 
with healing everybody here because there's this need that I find to be a higher priority, so I'm going to go with Jairus. So he starts going with Jairus, and the people are now like, wait, he's leaving? He's leaving? And they start throwing, and they get in tighter and tighter and tighter, and he feels power come out of him, and he goes, wait, who did that? And the disciples are like, dude, do you not see how many people are touching you right now? Like, there's a lot of people here. He goes, no, I felt power come out of me. Who was it? And it was the woman with the issue of blood. And the woman of issue of blood was so desperate and so hungry for her healing that she pursued Jesus. She got as close as possible, violating all the, all the rules of the day to be there and get in there and get her healing. And so he stops and he heals her. Jairus, of course, is upset because guess what? In the amount of time it took for the yet, Jesus gave Jairus a yes, and in that amount of time when he stopped and he healed her, comes back, they get the report that the, that the daughter's dead. <sighs> Jairus is heartbroken. You don't need to come now. It's over, right? Jesus says, no, 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 no. We'll go. It's going to be okay. We're going to move forward. We'll, we'll keep walking. I'm not going to run. She's healed. Jesus performs an amazing miracle. And all of that was because Jesus gave a yes to Jairus and a no to the crowds. Uh, another um, example of this is with the Canaanite woman whose daughter was demonized. Um, and that passage is uh, in Matthew 15, 21 through 28. So she comes up and she's begging for a healing and Jesus is like, nope. Do you hear that? She was begging for a healing and Jesus said, no. I'm called to the house of God, right? I'm not serving dinner over here. If you've got your Bibles, turn with me. Mark chapter 5, I think it's, or I'm sorry, Matthew 15. I think this is really important. All right. Then Jesus, verse 21 of Matthew 15, and Jesus went out from there and departed from, to the region of Tyre and Sidon, and behold, a woman of Canaan came from the region and cried out to him, saying, Have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David. My daughter is severely demon-possessed. But he answered her not a word. And his dis Sorry, he didn't say no, he just didn't answer. His disciples came and urged him, saying, Send her away, for she cries out after us. But he answered and said, I was not sent except to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Then she came and worshipped him, saying, Lord, help me. But he answered and said, it is not good to take the children's bread and throw it to the little dogs. Jesus had a priority for his ministry. He had a really big yes to the house of God. He had a really big yes to the Israelites. He had a really big yes to the sons of Abraham. Are you with me? She said, yes, Lord, I agree with you. This is honor. How dare you? I need a healing. 
says, yes, Lord. Yet even the little dogs eat the crumbs which fall from their master's table. Jesus answered and said to her, O woman, great is your faith. Let it be to you as, as you desire. And her daughter was healed from that very hour or immediately. Okay? So even Jesus had some boundaries on ministry. I'll give you a personal example. Um, just recently, I was having a uh, kind of a check-in with a with a someone who's close to me, who I've been mentoring. Just you know, we're having a check-in and um, asked a very personal question, and they chose not to answer it. And for whatever reason, they just chose not to answer it. Now I could be offended by that. Well, I'm supposed to be mentoring. Why don't you talk to me? Why don't you tell me? I could take it personal, but I could tell clearly this was a boundary. And when I see a boundary, I can honor it. So you just honor the boundary. Just honor it. It would be easy to manipulate, try to press, choose to punish them through avoiding, choose to ask them if they care about my influence in their life. Do they, you know, I mean, there's a tons of ways to that. And many of us have probably been in that place where we got manipulated because we didn't give somebody what they wanted, right? The proper response is to honor the boundary you've been given. And please don't play games. Can I just say this in ministry? I've had this happen where people are like, no, 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 I'm fine. And then they're mad because I never called them. You said you were fine and you didn't want to call, so don't be mad because I didn't call. You guys, are you following me? Right? You understand? Like, like, no, if we take people at their word and we trust their boundary and we actually do what they say, we, we honor them, it drives people crazy because they're not used to it. They're not used to somebody who's actually going to be like, no, yeah, I had this conversation with somebody who's like, I can't do that ministry because I know what that looks like. Every time I do that, it turns into da-da-da-da. I said, well, you can give us a boundary. You can say, I'm not willing to do X, Y, and Z. We'll honor it. Mind blown. Because we do practice honor. And we're not perfect at it, but man, I'm telling you, we make a hard effort to honor where people are at. You don't want to talk to me? I'm good. I'll keep praying for you. I'll bless you. My heart would be that we would be connected, but okay. You do you. I'm going to pray for you and bless you. I don't need to chase you down because you gave me a boundary. What? I can honor it. Right? Are you guys okay? So, I choose, I chose at the time to do none of the things that um, I could think of that would probably, uh, in aftermath, I could think, well, how could I have gotten a different answer or pushed or some of that? I, I chose to do none of that, right? And, and because of that, it was like, it gave room for them to ask why that issue was important to me. Why did, you know, they had the time to think because I didn't press. I just let it go. Okay, not a big deal. You don't want to, like, awesome. Do you want to change subjects? Okay, we'll do that. Like, it's all good. 
So I told them why it was important to me, this issue. And they understood that. And we moved on. And it's great. I just thought it was, a, and that was this last week. I think it's good to have some relevant examples, right? I think it can be really hard to do for somebody to not answer us the way we want to be answered or to not respond the way we want them to respond or to not do what we want them to do. It can be difficult. And yet, it is in that place that there is freedom and people become powerful. When we can honor people's no, we become powerful. When you honor their yes, we become powerful. And you empower them. Uh, remember Jesus' levels of intimacy, right? Do you know everybody? not everybody on his inner circle is trustworthy? But he chose to have that inner circle knowing that there was somebody who was untrustworthy who was probably going to hurt him. He knew it. He knew it. And he still chose. Sadly, sometimes people in our inner circle hurt or scare us very seriously and they are unwilling to clean up the mess that they made. They're unwilling to apologize. They're unwilling to take responsibility. Right? If that happens, we must move them out of a place we can no longer give them access. And that's okay. They can't handle that access well. So we say, okay, you don't get that access. Some people who once held the quote-unquote, most intimate place in our lives may find themselves out in stranger land. You can keep your love towards them on. Like you can continue to love them and not give them access. This is one of the hardest things for us to grapple with. How do we love somebody well and not give them access? Because we've been twisted in our thinking that love means that you get access. It's not true. Love doesn't mean that you get access. Love means that I choose to love you. Regardless of what's happened or what's gone on, I'm going to keep my heart free from the trap of bitterness. I'm going to keep my heart free from offenses. And that's a God Right? My number one level of intimacy is with the Lord. So guess who I'm processing all that with? God. God, be, you know how many problems would be solved if we just talked to the Lord about our offense instead of complaining to everybody else about it? Come on, church. Come on. Oh, we're human. Right here in this room. We're human. Okay? No high horses in this room today. Okay? We're just thoroughbreds. Right? So the reality is that many of us, many of us struggle with boundaries and giving boundaries because we don't value what's really in our hearts. And we've been taught that we're supposed to give it away to everybody. That is not true. 
You choose who you love and how you love them. And their need, their demand, their desire, how they want it, what they wished it was, doesn't matter. You get to choose how you give what is in your garden away. You get to choose if what they need and what they say they need, what they want from you, you get to choose whether or not that is something that you're willing to give or not. And if they're not, if you feel like, gosh, I got so much tension around that, I can't give them that part of my heart, don't do it. And they might not like it. Yeah. It's okay. Do you know why? Because you are finally being honest and truthful with yourself and with others. Because when you give away, because of someone else's demand, you now enter deception. When you're not listening to the Holy Spirit in you about what to give away and how to give it, you enter into deception. Kim, you and I have been friends for a really long time. You know what's interesting? Kim and I have had different levels of intimacy over the years that we've been together, right? Like she worked in the office. We were BFFs seeing each other every day, right? Right? She was on our leadership for four years, maybe, a hot minute, Right? And, and so we had seasons where the intimacy was really strong, right? And then there came a season where some things crept up, some bitterness, some hurt, some offenses on both of our sides. And I can tell the story because we're good, right? So, so some things creeped up and she isolated, right? And I'm walking around like, I don't understand what happened. You know, like totally clueless, right? She was bold enough to come and tell me the truth. Praise God. So when she told me the truth, it gave me an opportunity to repent, to change my mind. It gave me an opportunity to go, I did not notice that. I didn't see that. That was not my intent. I did not mean to do that, whatever that was. And then we settled at that moment that we're going to stay in relationship even if we got to swim in some different circles for a season. We're not going to allow our relationship to be stifled by it. Those were choices that we made to keep loving one another while she, in her hurt from me, had to put up some boundaries for my access. Did you guys get that? And I didn't come knocking down her door saying, why are you, you're not giving me what I want, why are you, I didn't do any of that. And now we have the pleasure of crying on each other's shoulder. You know, I get the text of, can you believe that this just happened to me? And I'm like, oh man, like, like we love each other well. And it's a choice. And it, the, the health of our relationship came through establishing boundaries. And I would run with this woman into hell with a water pistol. You know? <laughs> I'll take a super soaker. Are you, you, guys, you guys understand what I'm talking about here? 
Listen, sometimes, sometimes the relationships that you need that are really, really healthy aren't healthy because you've not established boundaries and you're trying to navigate the tension around how do I not get hurt in the relationship? Well, you set boundaries. All right. So let me just say this. As a minister, I have people that come in and out of my circles of influence all the time. And generally, I try not to pretend to be something I cannot be for somebody. Right? That's not good to set up unrealistic expectations. People want to be mentored and I say yes to that, I'm all in. Okay? If you don't want to be mentored, I'm not going to bug you. All good. No worries there. Right? I love lots of people. I minister to them freely. I counsel people. I pray for them. I laugh with them and I will cry with them and sometimes that's it. There's no relationship beyond that. Sometimes that's it. Like, that's my role, and I'm good with it. I don't have any problem with that. Right? They might not get a bulk of my time, my energy, or my money. They're not supposed to. They're not in my priority list of of how things are going to go for my life. When we're done meeting here today... I'm giving everything I have to all of you right now. And then when we are done here today, I'm going to go home with my wife and kid. Actually, my kid's going somewhere else today. But we're going we're gonna, to, I'm going to go home. We're going to finish paint prep on the house because Dennis is just rocking it. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Okay. So we got to get some more things ready for him. And, you know, they, she's got the primary influence on what I'm going to do in my life. The Lord and Mika my family, I am telling you right now, if my phone, if I saw my phone ringing right there, my watch started buzzing, and it was my, my son, Spencer, who's 23, my daughter, Bailey, who's 25, if they called, you don't have to figure out what to do for 10 minutes while I got on the phone. They have a higher priority. That's healthy. That is healthy. It's healthy to have some people in your life that just have a higher priority. Amen? Amen. And if I was unwilling to attend to the needs of my family because of your needs, you're robbing my family. You know what's funny though? I'm robbing my family because I'm not putting up a boundary. It's not you, it's me. It's not your fault, it's my fault. My wife's angry because I spend too much time in ministry. It's my fault. I would be easy to blame everybody's need. Let's go, kids. Let's go. There's some roaring happen over there. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. All right. I'm going to give you guys some tips here in just a moment. Let me tell you this. It is my job. It is my job to manage my time at home and in ministry. It is my job. You all have my number. If you don't, grab a card in the entryway. I love to talk. I love to have coffee. I love to hear what God's doing in your life. I love answering questions. I love setting aside. I set aside time every week just to meet with people. I, I manage my time to minister to the needs in the body. So don't think that you can't get an appointment. Just ask. We'll make it happen. Right? Because that's how I've set up my life. To do that, I'm the one who gets to manage that. Also, understand that we all have limited resources, and I'm going to prioritize my time 
according to my closest relationships. Okay? All right, now with that, what are some tips on setting boundaries? Number one, take care of yourself. Take care of yourself. Assess your resources and the health of your garden. Are you taking care of your own needs? You know how on the airplane, when they're doing their little video and the masks, they do the little mask drop thing and they're like, make sure you put the mask on yourself first before you help somebody else, right? The same situation here. Check the, check the status of the garden of your heart. Check in on yourself. Check on the resources that you're giving away. Are you giving away your best fruit where it isn't valued? It's a good question. Secondly, determine your yes. Because every time you say no, just like Jesus said no to the crowd, it was for a different yes. Right? So establish your yes. Okay? Where will you prioritize your time, your money, and your energy? Remember that boundaries are necessary with the purpose of protecting the value of what's inside the garden. Keep consumers out. In a healthy relationship, it's actually a fruit exchange. It's an exchange. So, learn how to, number three, recognize consumers in your life. Right? Take, take a minute, figure out who's the consumer and who's not. Who's just constantly drawing and not, like, it's not really healthy. Right? Take some time. Consider. Look at that. Where have other people's needs, demands, desires moved you out of your yes? Where has it established unhealthy behaviors in your own life? Right? Assess those things. Find the consumers. Number four, guard your heart from the trap of bitterness. Guard your heart from the trap of bitterness. If you've been taken advantage of or someone stole some resources from you, don't get caught blaming. Look at where you didn't set the proper boundaries and learn from it. <laughs> That's where people really get offended. Let me just, let me, I'm, I'm talking about, I'm not talking about severe past traumas. Let me just qualify that because most of the time, most of those traumas, the boundaries were immaterial. They didn't matter. I understand that. I'm not talking about that. Just to be very clear. Because there are people who will violate whatever boundary that you put up. I'm talking about in healthy, honoring relationships and in relationships that you're developing. Are you with me? Do you understand what I'm saying? Okay? Because I know that that pops up immediately whenever we talk about looking at yourself as not being a victim. Trauma response comes up because you didn't have a choice in that. I get that. And we bless you with healing over every single one of those areas. Okay? All right. Now, we have to be very cautious to not get caught in a trap of bitterness, even concerning those traumas. But we can't get caught in a trap of bitterness when we're the ones who are responsible for our hearts. We are responsible for what we give away. Now, let me give you a story. Just then, I think this might put a, put a, a, a pin in it here. Well, let me give you number five first. Focus on how to cultivate your garden and set healthy boundaries. How will you protect your yes? 
And I think that that has to be how you set your boundaries. How can I protect my biggest yeses? How do I protect my relationship with Mika? It means that I say no to 7 o'clock in the morning phone calls because we sit and we talk over breakfast. Okay? I'm not taking phone calls after 10 o'clock. I just don't. Now, I left my phone on last night because of the emergency with Leanne and the family. But if something like that comes up, I'll leave my phone on. I don't have a problem with that, right? Are you guys with me? I, I just set boundaries around my time to guard my investment with my family, okay? Now, when you're being pressed, your ability to only offer what you are willing to give will be hard but let me tell you what happens. When you're being pressed by somebody and you're only willing to do so much, the more you're able to do that, the more your integrity grows as a person. The more people will believe you as you follow through. And they'll begin to treat you the way that you want to be treated because you're the one setting up the boundaries. There's... Um, a woman who decided she would no longer contribute to any disrespectful conversations with her husband ever again. She made a decision. This part of my heart, you're not stepping in that again with a disrespectful conversation. The next time she and her husband had a disagreement that led into rage and intimidation, she stopped and announced, I'll be glad to finish this conversation when it becomes respectful. I can see you are upset, as long as it stays respectful, I'll stay. Boundary. If it stays respectful, I'm here. Right? He continued to explode. So she walked out. Not staying, I'm out. I'm not going to have this. Right? He was stunned at first, then angry. He felt powerless and punished. He sat and fumed in anger. His wife waited for a full hour before she returned to the room. She had remained calm and self-controlled because she had a genuine desire to resolve the conflict. She came and asked him if he wanted to have the conversation again. After seeing his wife consistently behave the same way in their various disagreements, this husband became convinced that she really was never going to participate in a respect disrespectful conversation. He knew this wasn't going to happen. He began, he also began to believe that if she could control herself, so could he. If at any time she said, I'll be happy to have this conversation, if it stays respectful, he started to adjust his tone and choice of words so he could keep her in the room while they worked out the conflict. This couple now has a new standard for conversation. When they have a conflict, a standard that they both when they have a conflict, there is a standard they both prefer. Good communication and healthy boundaries gave those, these two adults what they needed to stay powerful and maintain their connection. They have more trust, honor, and love for one another. Their conflicts are resolved in a way where both feel safe, but only because they were both willing to change. Lots of uh, food for thought today. Will you stand? Does anybody have pain in their left hip? <laughs>
Is that you, Terry? Should come on up. Anyone else have pain in their left hip? I don't normally have pain in my left hip, so I'm just, I just felt that was a word of knowledge. Come on, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Dylan, can I have you come up and I want you to pray with me? Mike, why don't you come up? I want you to just to lay hands on them and declare healing over their hips right now in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. We just say, be healed in Jesus' name. Be healed in Jesus' name. While they are praying, I want you to consider your own heart, your mind, your emotions, where are you at in the boundaries that, that you've been establishing. Consider this conversation because I believe that God wants you to run well and that is going to require that you know how to honor other people's boundaries and know how to set your own. So we just say, be healed in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Command these hips healed in Jesus' name, fully healed in Jesus' name. Command muscles loosed in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Let's pray for Richard right there. Thank you, Lord. Test them out, gentlemen. How are they feeling? Pain in the left hip. Thank you, Lord. Hmm? It's gone. Come on, give God praise. Hallelujah. <laughs> yeah, Father, we thank you for the testimony of Terry this morning. Pray that you fill him with your fire. Empower him for the boldness of witness to the gospel of Jesus Christ. That you begin to speak. God's, God's going to give you a new assignment to speak boldly truth and love and a new I think he's giving you a whole new environment not just your house but a whole new environment to begin to speak the truth in love it's where many many lost souls are and they're actually going to be flocking to you for mentoring thank you Lord we just bless him in Jesus name in Jesus name in Jesus name hallelujah hallelujah Come on, amen, amen. Yeah, go for it. Yep. Thank you, Lord. So, Lord, we just receive all that you're doing this morning. We thank you, God, that you're the God that is showing us how to have healthy and powerful relationships. We seal up this whole series on honor, dealing with connection, communication, the priorities of relationship. Teach us how to do this in a new way. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for joining us today. Harvest Valley Worship Center is called to be a refuge for healing and a launch pad for transformation. If this message impacted you today, please let us know in a comment, or you can email us at media at hvwc.com. Thank you for joining us, and we look forward to connecting with you.